As always, it's so good to be with you. And uh, let me ask, how's your Christmas wish list coming this year? Got that made out and hoping for some things. Uh, I wanted to share with you a couple that's on my list as well. One is a St. Francis bird bath. Uh, I'm getting ready to do a major upgrade of my Monarch butterfly garden this spring. And another is two chrysalis houses that will uh, hold the chrysalis before they become the butterfly. And then a kitchen sink. Okay, how's that for diversity? Now, here's the challenge with the sink. I'm going to install it. So you need to pray for me that this thing's not going to leak when I get done, okay? Well, this Advent season, we've been reflecting on how to successfully live out the virtues of hope, peace, joy, and love. And how do we do that in the midst of a life that is constantly changing, constantly changing circumstances in our lives? Well, the secret is this. Here's the secret. Maintain your focus on God, who never changes. Circumstances change, circumstances come and go, God never changes. He just like a, he's, he's a rock, that's what he is. And uh, that, because of that, because of that stability that he provides in our lives, we can experience these Advent virtues even when there's no reason to do so. Any kind of outward reason, you know, you're looking at the situation and nope, no hope. Well, that's not what Abraham said. What did it say of Abraham? Abraham hoped against hope because God is not circumstances, is the reality of our life. See, he never changes and he is our rock. He is rock solid. Now, the fourth and final virtue that we're going to look at because Advent is about to come to the end and which is also considered by Paul to be the greatest of the virtues uh, out of faith, hope, and love. But as we shall see later on the week, there's something even greater than the virtue of love. Can you believe that? I mean, every one of these virtues, just to possess a smidgen of each one of them, brings great joy and happiness in your life. But how could there be something even greater? Well, the saints taught me this. There's only one way and that is to combine them together. You put them all together into one, sort of an embodiment of all of these things. Does anybody know who that might be? Who is that embodiment? Well, does it ring any bells? Well, stay tuned. We'll see you on Friday, and uh, we'll talk about how, who that is and how wonderful that is. But let's get back to love for today. Could you do with a little more love in your life? Seems like there's a lot of hate in this world, didn't it? Not a, not a whole lot of love, uh, you know, a lot of numbness. People, people have a hard time feeling anything, let alone love. Well, I bet you could. I bet you could use a little more love. I know I could. That's for sure. So let's talk about love for a few moments. What do we know about the Advent virtue of love? The first thing is that there's all types of love in the world. Now, if somebody comes up to you and says, well, how's your love life going? You know, uh, you know, typically the answer has something to do with your romantic part of your life. But actually, 
if you really want to give a succinct answer, you have to clarify what kind of love it is that you're talking about. Because there's many different types of love. As a matter of fact, the Bible lists four, four specific ones using the Greek language to do so. Let me, let me give those four types of love to you. The first one is eros, meaning a romantic love. Then we have storge, which means love between members of the family. Then we have phileo, which means love between friends. And then the apex, the greatest, and that is agape, agape. And that is the love of God. That is experiencing and expressing the love of God. Uh, this is such a high place, a uh, high plane in the, in the architecture of love that it's even given another name. That name, you know what it is? Is charity. You heard that? And one of the problems with that that we have today is, is when we think of charity, what do we think of? We think of giving to help somebody. And that's, that's truly charity. And I think that's, that's God in the ultimate expression. That's true. But God is much more than that. God is uh, infinitely more than that. So you have, to, you have to pull back and sort of elevate charity when you think of it as an interpretation of God's love even a little higher. And I think that's why Paul said this. He said that romantic family and friendship love, those types of love, they're going to fail. They're imperfect love at best. But he says charity or godly love, what does it do? It never fails. <laughs> you know, it never fails. And, and there's a real danger there for us today because what happens is we sort of begin to interpret love based upon our family relationships or, you know, our friends or whatever, a romance, gosh. And then when, you're, when that falls apart and somebody hurts you or whatever, then you have a tendency to relate that to what God is like. They are, two, they are on two totally different planes, but yet that's how we do associations, like father, earthly father, heavenly father. But that's not the way to look at it. No, that's not the way to look at it at all. The second thing that I like, and this is the, real, this is the thing that really gets me revved up, is that we are called to exemplify godly love ourselves. Isn't that good? I, you know, I'll admit, those times of the year when, we, when we're reading in the lectionary, the, the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus hits on some of those high points in Matthew, uh, I'm really challenged by that. I mean, I'm really challenged when he says to his disciples, as he's saying to us, Show godly love to your friends and your enemies. Show godly love to your friends and enemies, uh, let alone your spouse or your children or your friends when they do things that upset or hurt you. Um, these words, because I'll be honest with you, they make me feel uncomfortable. I'm not there. Uh, but these words are a vivid reminder that I have a lot of work to do when it comes to living as God has called me to live, and that is a life of charity, a life of love. But here's the good point. Here's the, here's the good news 
about that. If you look at it more in a uh, subliminal type of way, Jesus says to love this way. Why? Because he knows that we can. He's given us everything we need in order to love. Jesus is not going to frustrate us by, by saying, you need to do this, but you can't do this. He doesn't do that, does he? No, he says you can do this because I have made the way. And think about why that is so. Well, look at the Father. The Father makes us in his image and likeness. That's very important. Look at what Jesus does. Jesus makes us dead to sin and alive to God so that we can overcome those things. And then there's that sweet Holy Spirit, dear Holy Spirit within us who provides us with the strength and the grace that is necessary in order to draw out that love, that charity towards other people. So in other words, you are fully equipped. You are fully equipped to exemplify godly love in your life. Isn't that awesome? Man, I, I think that's great. I mean, that's some of the best news I've heard in a long time. That's a couple of points about love. Let me close with just a couple of pointers on how you can exhibit more godly love in your life and in your relationships today. The first thing is to affirm that loving as God loves is your top priority. Well, I know you're going to say, well, Father, you've already said that. Well, that's true. I've already said it, but it's worth repeating. It really is because it's a deeply, extremely profound statement. See, to express godly love in your life is ultimately, it's the end and means of life because it is the essence of who God is. What did John say in his letter? He said, God is love, didn't he? Now, he didn't say God is just love. He's a concept. No, God is love. He, he's full of love. That's his nature. And it is ours as well because we have been created in his image and likeness. It is the language of godly love that is spoken by his children who dwell in the heavenly king. See, godly love rules supremely. That's the kind of love, you know, why, why stay down in the basic and the primitive levels of love when you can go to the top, the apex of love? That's what we're called to do. So what you, here's what you have to do. You have to drive godly love deep into the inner recesses of your heart. The heart is the core of your essence. It is the core of your being. That's why Jesus always talked about treasure and heart. They, are, they always go together. And so what we're called to do is to drive godly love deep into our hearts. Make it our number one treasure. It is our number one treasure. Make godly love in this life your passion. Make it your driving force in life. And I can tell you this, if you do that, you'll be the happiest person in the world. You'll be the happiest person in the world. The second thing is to do small things with great love and not great things with small love. Now, which one does culture tend to tell us to do? It tells us to do great things with small love, doesn't it? It's about how big 
you know, how big you can, you can make something. Never is the way spiritual life works. Uh, the measure of greatness in life, and, and the beauty of this is because even somebody as little as myself can do it, the measure of greatness in life is the degree to which you love other people. Not how big it is, but the degree, the, the degree of love with which you love as God does. Jesus was constantly emphasizing this to his disciples. And here's the great part about this. This, this is great. Loving, doing small things with great love is something that everybody can do. You know how many opportunities you'll have today to do that? Tons of them. Tons of them. And what a difference they make. How important they are. And that's why Jesus would go on that phrase where he says, you know, the least will be the greatest in heaven. The least will be the greatest in heaven. And I like what Paul said. He said, you know, if I can move mountains, and there's some big mountains up there. If I can move mountains, but I don't have love, what does he say? I have nothing. I am nothing. So these are words that come from St. Teresa of Calcutta. Do small things with great love, and everybody can do that. The third thing is to infuse godly love into all areas of your life. Now, this is really important. Um, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes cultural definition of love, I don't understand it. I mean, it's confusing to me. It's so loosely used today that I'm not exactly sure what people think love is or what it isn't. And uh, that's particularly true of eros or what we call romantic types of love. Here's something you got to remember. You want to infuse, you want to impart into all different types of love in your life, godly love, godly types of love. And that's why without the proper perspective, without the proper infusion of godly love, eros becomes primitive. It becomes superfluous. It becomes rudimentary. See, what eros needs is what we all need to do, and that is a good infusion of love. Now, I recently, I've had, I've had some uh, iron issues in my body. And uh, I just a couple weeks ago, I've had two iron infusions now. Let me tell you, they've really pumped me up, you know. <laughs> they've infused iron into my body, and my body feels 100% better. It's the same way with love. Infuse godly love into all areas of love in your life, and it will energize you. Same can be said for love of family and friends. Let me give you a good example, one that you're going to experience. Guarantee it, you're going to experience in the next couple of days. Why is it that we go to holiday gatherings thinking that it's going to be a perfect, magical moment? You know, like you see on television, those magical moments, or, you know, why do we think that? Where everybody loves everybody. You know, it's just perfect. It's just perfect. And then, it, then something ruins it. You ever said that? Have you ever heard somebody say, well, they just ruined my Christmas? Well, what are you talking about? Has Jesus left the room? You know, as, as Mary and Joseph picked up the diaper bag and carried Jesus off? Well, no. 
just because somebody over in the corner is getting into an argument or just because somebody, you say, well, how did you like the food after you labored over it for several hours? And they say, well, it was good, but the, the mashed potatoes were a little lumpy. You know, that's insane. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't ruin your Christmas with imperfect love. See, these are all forms of imperfect love because we're imperfect, right? So uh, instead, infuse those situations with godly love, which Paul calls patience and kindness. So don't walk on pins and needles. I know people, they, they fear family gatherings long before they ever come. Don't walk on pins and needles this year, but let your Christmas gathering be the best one ever, ever. The final thing is this. <clears throat> And it's a great mystery. I don't even begin to understand it. Love others with a godly love. You know, God is about relationships, right? Let us, even in the book of Genesis, let us make, make man, right? What's he talking about? He's talking about a trinity, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're a trinity. See, we're a people of relationship. And it, it goes all the way back to the beginning where we see the trinity of God already in existence. So we're made that way. And that means that loving others is not per se something that you learn in culture. No, not at all. It goes way beyond that. Uh, it is an inherent part of your makeup. You are made to love. You are made to love as God loves. And the reality is you can't exist. You're not going to be happy if you cannot love as God loves. It's just not possible because that's how you're made. And we, we see this clearly evidenced today because of the isolation that COVID has produced in so many people's lives. There's no, the outlets for love are just not there. My youngest son, he's a psychologist, and we were talking about this this week because he was saying, Dad, my workload is cone out the roof. You know, people, there's so many mental health issues today. And I said, well, son, why do you attribute that to? He says, we have no way to love. We're isolated, and it's hard, and we need ways, we need avenues in which we can love. And that's truly so important. I'm going to give you two suggestions for how you can bolster your mental health today. How's your mental health doing today? Let me give you two suggestions. Go to Mass and love people. That's number one. Well, what's so important about that? Well, there's a million things that are important about Mass, but what's so important about Mass and love? Community. Who are you sitting by today? Are you sitting by your family, your friends, your parish community? See, that's love. That's an opportunity not to isolate yourself, but to give love. And the second one is this. Uh, everybody knows about everything that's going on in Mayfield and the tornado and the devastation. Well, we're, at, we're taking up a collection today that will go down there to help all those people. Did you know this? Giving is therapeutic. Giving is therapeutic. So here's an opportunity for you to be loved 
If it's only a nickel, if it's only a penny, do it. Do it because it's therapeutic for you. I'd like to leave you with two thoughts for reflection this morning. Thank God that he has made you and given you everything you need in order that you can express godly love towards others. And the second thing is this. Make godly love the driving passion of your life. God bless all of you. And remember, Jesus is just around the corner. And now, my dear friends, it is with the greatest of joy that I invite all of you to